Welcome to another edition of the Royal of the Lions UK podcast, episode 155, Kirby's Dreamland. My name's Matthew Cerner, alongside co-host Adam Ryan. How you doing, boys? I'm very, very happy. In a, in a great mood. Hashtag, All is well. Hashtag fuck the Packers. This is the Packers at Lions review show, having a look back at the Lions' second win of the season against the old enemy Green Bay Packers yesterday. It was a terrific game. I have been lighter than air all day. I've been just working with a smile on my face. Everything is easier when you win on a Sunday, boys. Oh, and apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and apparently it's a lot saltier in Green Bay when you lose. Especially when oh, yeah, he has that... nine starters go down on for injury. Sorry, it's nice, to, it's nice to see Twitter like Lions fans just taking a break for once. Like nice. saying not not just absolutely tearing everyone to shreds and arguing. It's Packers fans having meltdowns and PTSD and reaching for the Xanax or Adderall. Chill the fuck out. It, it's so nice to collectively see the NFC North just stomping on them. Like we beat, we we ganged up on them in the draft to stop them getting any receivers. Now we're ganging up on them in season. It's just a thing of beauty. Can we just cast a quick eye back before we go into any of the preamble or the news or this this um this show to give a shout out to Kirk Cousins because this is a team that is taking the NFC by storm. They're looking like they're going to be the number two seed, threatening the number one seed at the moment, despite being absolutely terrible, almost getting beaten yesterday by a really bad team. Kirk Cousins trying to be a baller, but failing miserably. A team that the Lions were beating comfortably, comfortably earlier in the year. And this is like, the, the Vikings are not much better than we are. And, and, Cousins just kind of living it up like he's this gangster dude. I I I love that video on the plane, but my god, we we beat their ass in that game. I I'd sooner wear a t-shirt that said Jordan Travis's number one fan than give Kirk Cousins any sort of shout out. So no. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll move on then. Um, just a bit of preamble. To... Oh, sorry, Ryan. I think it's funny because it's tough. It's funny because Kirk's always been like so fucking boring and had no personality. And fun. now, yeah, and now it's now, like you say, like they're one now he's making like 40 million dollars a year and like he's making rap videos and he thinks he's post Malone. I have to quite like this Kirk Cousins, at least if you're gonna be average at best, like it might as well have some personality. So if, I, if we see him on planes and flying jets and wearing rocks and that, it'd be kind of funny. The NFC North is just a bit of a carnival. I'm kind of all here for it, to be honest. I thought he was like a hardcore Christian, and yet he's acting like he's in Magic Mike on a plane. I mean, they're, they're just not very Christian of him. I think it's just funny because like, it's, like, it's like you get that that white kid on the school bus, and like he kind of yeah, like, he's got yeah, his bit yeah, in, yeah. and they've all just <laughs> given him that ice, and he's just there, like, just throwing up gang signs, like, it's just funny. It's like Ned Flanders like joining like Tupac 
and bigger. I really want to see that now all of a sudden. Well, yeah. you can't, but, you know, I, I'd love to see it. Eminem I mean, and Ned Flanders, the, the, the duo we never knew we needed. My my thoughts just go back to the punk-ass bitch who was like, I ain't getting a vaccine, I'll walk around in a Perspex box if I have to. And this guy's doing that on a plane! Like, come on, man. Um, just as an aside, this is probably a very niche reference that no one's going to get, but the you like that thing became big again. I think he reprised it after the win. And every time he does it, or every time it's referenced, I think back to the ly- lyrics of... Um, uh, Diary of Jane from Breaking Benjamin because it has uh, you like that you like that it is part of the lyrics yeah. <laughs> and I just imagine him in that band <laughs> and it kind of works in a really perverted way but anyway I will move it on um, don't forget our Discord channel we have lots of good chat all the way through it was an absolute fire yesterday so do join that I'll put a link in the live chat on YouTube and Twitch so join us there College Football Podcast aired just before we came on, boys, what did you talk about? What happened last weekend? Uh, we were talking about head, potential head coaches of the year today. A lot of great coaches down there who've done some jobs at some really bad teams, turned them around in a short space of time. So we gave some love to those guys who don't get much chatter. And then we talked about the weekend's fixtures just gone. Obviously, the dynasty might be over. Clemson had their ass handed to them. You know, there was a lot that went on this week. We had the highest scoring regulation game in the history of college football, 140 points and 1,350 yards of offense. There, a lot of good stuff going on. It's really heating up in the race for championship and bowl games at the moment. So it's good stuff. Mm. Please don't forget to like the episode, sub to the show, give us a rating, all that good stuff that you can do. Leave a comment below. And if you've got any questions as well, do get them in. Don't forget to download the app at LionsNationUnite.com. Herbert Moore's project to bring the best in Lions content creators all together, including Micro Mike, who's in the chat with us, as well as Dose of Dion on Lions on the Prowl and Everything King. All those good guys are there. So do download the app. And we are a Twitch affiliate. Please do. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, send us your free sub. It won't cost you a penny. You do have one if you are subscribed to Amazon Prime. And it just puts a little in our pocket. We have got Dan Pask as well, subscribing at Tier 1 for his eighth month. Thank you very much, Dan. Appreciate you very much. He says, hey, guys, run the table, question mark, laughing face. We're not going to chug that much just yet, but <laughs> one day. We've got the Bears next, so it could happen. Um, anyway, we'll move into the news, and there's only a couple of items today, and then we'll move straight into the game review. The wide receiver Stanley Berry, who has been signed to the active roster, taking the place that was vacated by the trade for TJ Hawkinson. And the Lions hope that Kirby Joseph, the superstar safety, can clear concussion protocol by Sunday. He was hit by friendly fire in the game against the Packers, being hit in the head and neck area by Jeff Akuda on a on a coverage play. Looked pretty nasty, but he seemed to help himself off the field under his own power. And Dan Campbell in the press conference just a moment ago said that he thought that he would make it back for Sunday. So fingers crossed for Kirby, because I think we need him for this one, boys. Straight into the game review. Packers 9, Lions 15. And it's a really interesting game of stats and scores and what have you. The Lions shut a team out in the first half. i I, I was going to look back and try and find out the last time the Lions held a team to naught at the half. And I thought, you know what? It's just going to take me too long to try and find this out. So I didn't bother in the end. But I, I can't remember the last time a defense was actually that good. Rogers threw for 100 and, 
154 more yards than Goff did in this game. 23 of 43, 291, a touchdown and three interceptions to Goff's 14 of 26 for 137 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. And they were fairly equal on the ground as well. The Packers, 25 carries for 106 yards. The Lions, 31 for 117. So not a lot of offense in this game at all for the Lions. Defensively, we had uh, two fumbles by the Packers, both not recovered by Detroit. We might come on to that in a minute. Uh, otherwise, receiving touch... Actually, I'm uh, talking about defense now. Um, Barnes led the defense for Green Bay in tackles, eight tackles, four of which solo. Two tackles for a loss for the Packers in total, but no sacks in this game. They did have a sack, but it was ruled out for um, roughing the passer, and we'll get onto that in a minute as well. The Lions defensively led by Derek Barnes, 12 tackles as well as a sack, and Kirby Joseph, 10 total tackles for him. The one sack, as I said, was by Derek Barnes, but they did have three tackles for a loss in this game. So there's your statistics in that. Also, three interceptions, two by Kirby, one by Aiden. We'll come on to that in just a moment. Just some high-level stuff before we go through the sort of not play-by-play, but higher-level play-by-play. How are you feeling, boys, coming out of this with a win? Because before, there was a little bit of positivity that we might be able to pull this out. And then before the game, we were asked, how confident are you? And I don't think anyone had a 5 out of... Uh, greater than a 5 out of 10, really. If I, no, Ryan, I think you had a 6. I had a 6.5. You know I, I love Ryan's you know, scales. It's a really weird feeling because the offense was dreadful. And that just regresses, and I just feel worse about that weekly. But the defense finally woke up. The Packers had, had three first and goals, no points. They're fr- they're th- they had three points on a first and 10, like 25. They had like a first and like 20 that had no points. So they basically had five red zone drives and gave it three points. Scored three points against the league's worst red zone defense. Now that it's pretty astonishing because this defense, like I say, worst in the league, one of the worst I've ever seen. Statistically-wise, it's one of the worst Detroit defenses I've ever seen. But for some reason, just when it came inside like the 20-yard line, through, through like making big plays and getting Aaron Rodgers flustered because Christ, like he, he was like he was PMSing all game on it. But also through Green Bay, also just mental errors and fuck-ups. You've just managed to get serious pressure and shutouts in the red zone. And that's where we won the game. Like I say, keeping them out within like the 20 yard line, just putting up a fence and just saying you will not cross this line mm. was where we won the game. Yeah. But the offense, I am I am just even more further away, like just don't want golf than I was beforehand. Mm. Situational football amp. Oh yeah. Um well you know what? I felt absolutely spectacular when I got up this morning. It was just nice to, you know, we had the win over the Packers last year, and then we had the one at the end of the season before that. And for years, they've got away with, oh, well, you're beating our end of season teams that are getting ready for the playoffs. These ain't really wins. Well, newsflash, this one's a win. This one's a big damn win. And, you know, I've seen them trying to cope with it today by saying, oh, our players are injured, etc." Well, you're up against a team that's had, what, 130 million cumulative on IR in the last two seasons. Don't whine and bitch about injuries to us. We've had it worse than anybody else. 
You know, we wanted it more. We fought them harder in the trenches. Their players didn't want it. Bakhtiari decided to take half a game off. He didn't want it. Aaron Jones was fit enough to come back on. He got played today. He didn't want none of us. We fought hard. We played hard. And, you know, there's a long trip up Mount Purgatory for the Lions to get back to relevance. The first part of, you know, let's say level one of Mount Burkadori has been in the NFC North. We've got to make statement wins. We can't be the bottom feeders no more. We all had this really, really bad feeling that we would be the get right game for the Packers. You know, I put the tweet out before the weekend. I don't want to be the get right game. I want to be the game where they're not saying, oh, we'll get right. I want it to be the game where we say, well, we're well and truly screwed. And you've seen Packers Twitter today and they feel well and truly screwed. And that's the feeling that feels nicest for me. We have gone in while they've been on the ground and we've stuck a boot in on them, not helped them up, given them a little pat on the back and gone, oh, everything's going to be all right. You'll be fine. You get you get together game against us. Go on and get to the playoffs now. No, we've taken one look at them and we've kicked them while they're down. And I love it. The youngsters came to play. The rookies came to play. Derek Barnes stood up for the first time. His workload's going. He's been doing better with smaller workloads. Had a full game workload yesterday. Looked every bit like the guy who we drafted last year. Kirby Joseph has just come out of nowhere and is just making plays week in, week out. Hutch has his first pick ever anywhere. Picks off Aaron Rodgers. You know, this is what we need to see, this young youthful element of our team developing quick like Dan Campbell says because we have an issue in this team where we've no good veteran leadership so it's on the rookies to do the development into those leadership roles quicker you know sooner rather than later and we saw that big yesterday and most importantly the win Matt Alliance fans bitching today about draft position and stuff no a win yesterday is the best thing for this team because it teaches these young kids that they can win games of football, not that they're losers and they're never going to do anything at this franchise. So, you know, we're on the first rung of Mount Purgatory now. Now we've got to go up to the Chicago Bears. We've got to show that our renaissance in the NFC North is not just a one-week thing and it's just a flash in the pan. We've got to show that this is for real, that we can be consistent and the Bears playing really well, do not get me wrong, but we should go into this game full of confidence now, ready to whoop some more ass and show that we're for real. So, you know, I have no complaints. I know the offense can be better, but for the most part, both teams showed up, both sides of the ball showed up when we needed them to. Offense made touchdowns in situations it needed us to. Defense makes the stop it needed to. So I'm just happy that we get to celebrate a victory Monday, man, and I get to dress up a bit. I hate sitting here moaning about the same game problems every single week, and I just feel amazing today. I don't blame you. Cloud nine. Absolute cloud nine. It was so much sweeter because one of the interceptions was totally earned by the Lions, but two of them, one of them was 50-50, and one of them's completely on Rodgers, and it's just so nice to see him being the master of his own disaster. Like, I mean, it's it so of, sweet. Barnes found the passing lane. He put his head there. I know he, I know he didn't really intentionally do it, but he still looked at him and saw the passing lane. Got to be in the right position to make the plays, and he was. So, mm. yeah, see, seeing Aaron Rodgers cry, it's like, you know, there's seen that family guy where Stewie goes up to Meg while she's crying. He's like, mm, yes, your anguish sustains me. I'm like that with Aaron Rodgers. His, his pain makes me stronger, and his pain makes us all stronger as a fan base. And, Oh, he even started arguing with the refs. I feel really sad for him. That's that's a, that's the second long term relationship he's going to lose this year. 
I mean, the one with the refs is probably the longest-term relationship he's got now, and, and you hate seeing these relationships fall apart. Ran out of cool whipping. Anyway, um, let's go on and play-by-play, rough play-by-play. Opening drive for the Lions was fairly unremarkable before a quick swing pass out to Swift in stride for 15 or so. The opening drive actually proceeded without incident, pretty much. We were proceeding down the field quite nicely until on third and three, we decided in the red zone to run out of shotgun in a narrow field and then failed to convert on the fourth and one from the Green Bay six. They blitzed Goff on the pass. Goff couldn't find anyone. It was utterly predictable. It's the first decision to kind of have a look at what did he think on that two play sequence because I was live with Drew on the show and I was kind of saying if you're if you're going on third down here on third and three you're saying right you've got two plays to make this I don't hate the run play but at the end of the day I hate running a fourth down pass in that position go run run or just pass for the first down on third down or kick the field goal if you don't get it. I don't see that they, we had any chance of getting the touchdown on third and three call. And so you're kind of setting yourself up for failure a bit here. And yes, you've got them deep, but our defense hasn't exactly been great. And in a, team, in a game that could be a battle of a field goal here or there, which it did turn out to be, that getting points on the board could have been pretty crucial. What did he make of that two-play sequence? I mean, you can flip it and say that he's at least showing faith in his offense, you know, as, as an offensive player. I mean, how many times did we see Patricia Noxious, Matt Stafford in a clutch part in a game? And you saw, you know, kind of what it did to their relationship. It completely eroded it to, to tell your offense that you have faith in it to go out there and make these plays. I think it's admirable. Yes, it is foolish, but it is also admirable. And I mean... I, I was saying about this earlier uh, when we were talking about Marcus Freeman of Notre Dame uh, on the college pod. I think when you hire a guy, it's his first time as head coach. You're not just taking on him, but you are standing by him while he works out all these kinks in his systems. I think he is too aggressive on these fourth down calls sometimes. I mean, he sort of had the freedom to be last year. He's had nothing to play for um, and, you know, see which players can perform when they really needed to on fourth down. But this year, you do have to be a little bit more discreet with how many times you do it. And I think this is just a kink in his learning curve as a head coach. But that is what you sign up for when you take a first-time head coach. So you've just got to stick with it and hope that he works it out eventually. And, you know, he will look back on this. I'm sure he'll there'll be some ones he wishes he had back. But I will never... I will never actively be upset if he decides that he trusts his offense to go and get it. It's a sign of faith in your players, but you've just got to be discreet in how many times you do it and whatnot. But so early in a game, potential to put some points on the board. I mean, don't forget, before this game, we all know the Packers, how dangerous they are, how much points they put up on us. Dan Campbell might have felt that the defense wasn't really going to make the stop. We're going to go out, touchdowns, win games, not field goals. That'll be the mentality he's thinking. We're thinking about this from after game now that we've got the benefit of hindsight but at that particular moment at that particular time you know you're at home put a touchdown on them early get some points going get some momentum going i can see why he did it and like i say i will never critique i i would just say that i did call out that this game pre-game would be 16 to 10 and that field goals would be the difference so i hear what you're saying about it being after the event but it could have been predicted that the game would go this way, I think, as well. Sorry. Ryan, what did you make of that two-down sequence? 
Uh, with who's on the centre, I never like throwing the ball on four for one because <laughs> you start off. We, we've thrown the ball a lot on fourth down this year, and most of them we've turned the ball over and down because the play calls are. You look who's available to him right now. We're rolling with third stringers. There's no one out there really trust to get properly open on a fourth one one. Let's say we've got like the tight end three and four in. We're down to the bare bones of receiver. I would have just gone run run. But I also agree like you say we're up. Before the play, we were nine and twenty. And that's the most completions and the most attempts on fourth down this year. So it was never in question going for it. Every drive this season, if it's in the first quarter, it's in their half, he's gonna go for it. There'll never be a time for a dump because that's just it. Is that's just the ethos of the Lions now? Mm. Well, I like I say, while you, while it can't cost you the game, go for it. Try to take back the momentum. So yeah, the player call, won't be a fan of it, but we've started slow now for multiple weeks, so it didn't exactly surprise me to turn our rounds there. Like I said, and obviously the the fact that we've now played a few teams that a lot of teams are winning the toss and deferring. Also understand that the Lions start slowly. They're happy to give us the ball. They're more than like I say. I know the Cowboys did. I think that's going to become a trend against the Lions. They win the toss, but instead of taking the ball, they give us it because they know that our offense right now isn't firing on all cylinders. That will become something we see a lot, probably every game this season now. But yeah, it was it was a good drive. Like I say, Swift looked. He did look great all game because he's not. We just know it. But he looked better than last week. That's got to count for something at least. It does. It does. Right. So the Packers take over on downs. Really nice pass breakup from Deshaun Elliott over the middle as part of this drive. Rodgers had a massive 15-yard rush on third and 10. And the Lions had trouble against Rodgers running the ball all day. He actually led Green Bay in rushing. Uh, They then pick up some easy first downs in the run game as they proceed all the way down the field. There was a really big completion on third and one where Rodgers had the the freedom of the field to just walk it in for a first down. But instead, he decided to risk it with a throw to Mercedes Lewis, slightly not where he would have liked it. But Lewis, with very safe hands, took the catch on the five yard line for a first down. And then came the interception in the end zone. So Rodgers, he threw it against his... I I think I need to have a look at the All-22 because I can't decisively see. But I think he threw it into his own offensive lineman. His own... Was it Barnes, was it? He threw it at at Barnes' helmet. There we go. And then it looped up. And both Kirby and Jeff went up for it. Every time I watch it, I'm convinced they're going to ruin it for each other. I thought they were going to drop it. It was was rough, but they didn't get in each other's way in the end. Kirby claims it for a touchback. Um, They rent, you know, they went 90 yards of the field. And then Rodgers ruins it by just throwing a ball too low. That is an awful error by Rodgers. And... A heads-up play by the Lions defenders, and well done to them for not getting each other's way at the ends. But it felt like a cheap interception at the time. Well, I don't know. I mean, when you sorry, go on, Ryan. I feel like it was a bit different. Like, you know what? I'll put it. I'll say it's fortuitous. Barnes is in the right place at the right time. Good kudos to him. It goes up in the air, and when it goes up, it's a lottery. I, I, I'd like Jeff to get it actually. If I was Kirby, I'd have, loved, I'd have left it to Jeff, but obviously he wants that exception because Jeff, I think, needs one for confidence. But yeah, as long as no one dropped it, I think give a shit who caught it. And it was a 
it was big, let's say, because odd, like I say, when you're a Lions fan and a team gets like fourth and two or like the two yard line, I automatically just think six points. We just we're just pansies in the end zone. We just shoot ourselves in the foot. So to actually stand big, show some bollocks and come away and take the ball away, that was something quite surprising this year. So it was a good end. And also this game, we had bad field position for the most of it. So a touchback, like you say, never bad. A pick in the end zone is never bad because this season we've had very lot we've had lots of players where receivers bring the ball out questionably and get into like the ten yard line. It's pissed me right off. So a touchback, more than happy. I'll take a touchback all day long. I feel like sometimes you just need that little bit of luck. I mean, I'd be at the worst. I mean, when you're on a Green Bay drive and Aaron Rodgers rushes for 15 yards against you and Mercedes Lewis gets his second catch of the season, you're like, oh, here we go again. They're going to do it with a ragtag bunch of players the way you're not expecting it to. They're going to put points down on us. But um, sometimes all you need is a bit of luck. Like you said, right place, right time, Derek Barnes. I mean, the pass, I ain't going to neg him too much for it. When you're that close to the end zone, you kind of have to get a zip on it because, you know, you get closed down very quickly in the end zone. So you've got to put speed on it. And, you know, Barnes's head isn't there when he throws it. He's sort of, it's actually a good play by Barnes, I feel. He's kind of sealed up against the run to start with, then sort of moves back out into a passing lane uh, when the run doesn't come. And his head's in the right place. The guys make the play. It just feels like you need that look sometimes. We don't feel like we get much look. I mean, the amount of times like we've got interceptions and there's been questionable calls against us, flags on the play. We just ain't got that one proper turnover. And here we did. And what it does, it, it, it sets the Packers' move down. If the Packers would have scored then, would have given them a lot of confidence. But they've been struggling in the red zone. They've been struggling to put points on the board. When you get a fluke defection like that and you are a couple of yards out and you should have scored and you turn the ball over like that, that just kind of, you know, hammers a nail in the uncertainty coffin for them. And then they start doubting themselves. So it was a two-way win for us. One, we get a stop. And two, we make their offense doubt their ability to be able to score against us. So, yeah, mm. just the right bit of luck we needed. So should have Plus, been... They, a lost, ma- they lost Romeo Dabbs on that first drive. Like I say, his ankle got snapped. That's like a shame. Shaker. That's a shame. You know, I, I feel sorry because I loved Dowd coming out of college and going there. There's so much expectation. I actually was rooting for him to do well, and it was it was I was upset to see him leave. It's a shame. He's just starting to get going under Rogers. He's one of the few who's made connection with him. So I'm upset from a personal standpoint of view for him. I hope he recovers quickly. So that should be a big momentum changer. Lions get out to the 20, just intercepted the Packers in the end zone. This is the time to put the nail in the coffin and get some points on the board. And here comes the Lions, potentially their worst possession of the game. Holding on Decker, first down, makes it first and 20 from the 10-yard line. Goff then throws to Swift, but it's zipped in for um, a little kind of Texas route that we've seen that Swift loves so much. It's just out of reach of Swift. He can't bring it in, but he can tip it up in the air and almost gets intercepted. And then on third down, they try and set up a screen and Goff throws it straight to Preston Smith, who tips it up in the air. And that's almost intercepted as well, but not quite. Lions get... Oh, hang on. Sorry, that was second down. Beg your pardon. And on third down, 
No, that was third down. And then we punt it away, beg your pardon. So in the space of two plays, the Lions almost get intercepted twice in, you know, close to their own end zone, which is a bit rough. Um, we punt away. Then on the Packers' next possession, massive throw on third down and 10 for the Packers. Lazard absolutely bullies Akuda down the sideline, kind of just turns him around, makes him run in the wrong direction entirely. Um but then he comes down about the the line to the, the the touchdown line, the plane, and it's like, okay, he loses the ball in the in the mix of doing that. Is he down at the one? Is it a touchdown? Is it a fumble recovering the end zone for the Lions? It's decided that eventually he's downed at the one. Having looked at the replays, although I thought it was actually a recovery by the Lions, I do think it was a touchdown, and I do think they should have reviewed that a bit more thoroughly because it did look like he broke the plane. I don't know if you guys had any other thoughts on that, but that's downed at the one, and so they've got first and first down and goal at the one-yard line. Dylan is stuffed. Rogers and Watkins, they throw a fade, and Watkins has absolutely no idea what's going on. Dylan's then stuffed again on third and goal from the one, and then on fourth down, Rogers throws a play-action pass massively underthrown off the back foot and Hutchinson, who's meant to be getting upfield to rush the passer, then manages somehow to get back in to intercept him in the end zone. Now, it's fourth down, so you turn the ball over and it's going to be the Lions ball on the one. He gets the interception in the end zone and it comes out to the 20. Incidentally, he actually intercepted it at the one, took it into the end zone and then downed it. So I was surprised there wasn't more talk about potentially it being a safety. But... We'll 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 take it. We actually end up gaining 19 yards on that play. It's a terrific play by Hutchinson to come back to the ball when he sees that Rogers is going the wrong way and he's never getting there. Like it's a really good heads up play. As Ant said earlier, Hutchinson's first interception at any level of football, high school, middle school, college, whatever, he's never had an interception before. So a really interesting sequence of events. They probably scored a touchdown, but they called it down at the one. We then stuffed Dylan twice from the one. I have never seen the Lions make a goal goal line stand this year from the one-yard line at first and goal. That's not happened. And Dylan is an absolute beast. So the fact that we held him up twice, and then that play from Hutchinson, it was a real roller coaster of emotions, that play. And then we end up coming back to the 20 again, boys. It was odd, because... Let's just go back to us having the ball. Jared Goff should have thrown back five interceptions in this game. <laughs> Awful. Right. DeAndre Swift for one, you cannot tip that ball. If you can't catch it, you let it go or you try to tip it down. You never tip a ball up in the air. Like the but the ball was so far out of his way. They dropped like when the two like like when Preston Smith and is it any Barry? Like they both fumble that interception. That's just funny. Mm. Right. That was just a, a terrible play. I agree that like I say a coup would have got bodied, people calling for PI. It won. It was Lazard being big and strong. That's big man football. I think he's got a touchdown as well. I think we got a break there. Like I say, AJ Dillon, like I say, he's literally a goal line monster. So I could not believe that we stuffed him. Sammy Watkins, oh boy, is he getting some bad hate on Twitter. They fucking hate him. He's dreadful. Apparently, he's really like, bad drops and targets five rounds. times. Oh. One catch for nine yards. <laughs> Do you know what? The fourth down player, people are slating it. Bakhtiari was wide open. Oh, yeah. Open. I'm sorry. People need to understand. That was If that was a trick player, it worked. 
Rodgers just fucked it up with a horrible throw. And it probably should have been a safety, I'd say, because it's taken into the end zone. It wasn't intercepted in the end zone. But yeah, that I'll take that. That's a stroke of good luck as well. We got some nice extra field position out of it. But yeah, he adjusts really well, Hutchinson. Comes down with it. But just a cataclysm of errors. And by now, Packers fans have probably accepted this is not going to be their day. And by now, I'm probably thinking, well, here we are. We're still in it. This might be our day. Like I said, we just got really lucky. Like I said, through good play, some strokes of luck. Just there was like a beacon of hope. Like I said, that was the first time. What was that? The first time ever Rogers had thrown two red zone interceptions or two end zone interceptions. That yeah, was red a zone, phenomenal yeah. stat. Like said, Unbelievable. By now, he's absolutely pulling out his trampy hair because it looks like he eats chips out of a bin. But yeah, right now it's just I was on cloud nine by right now. I'm like the worst red zone defense has got two takeaways in the red in the end zone. I was like, if the game ends right now, I'd die a happy man. They're fighting. That that that's what the thing is. They're fighting. You know, it feels like in recent weeks they'd sort of let that fighting mentality slip. They were getting bullied at the line of scrimmage. They weren't defending the run very well. And, you know, you're kind of worried about the mentality of this team, especially losing one of its coaches. But um, they seem to rally this week. The goal line stops. You know, we were we were effectively sealing gaps. Barnes, Rodriguez, you know, board for the limited amount you were on. They were they were blocking gaps that were created in the D line. You know, they were filling they were doing what they were meant to do. And I'm at odds here. I, I think Green Bay's offensive calling was atrocious. I know, you know, Quadzilla's the uh, the lead back in short yardage situations and that, but the best offensive skill player they have is Aaron Jones. And I don't think it's even close at this point. He is the best offensive skill player they have. Why is he on the bench? I mean, I, I, I listen to Tom Grossi loads because I love what he does, even though he's a Packers fan, and he's been harping on about it for weeks. The lack of touches that Aaron Jones gets is criminal. I think he had nine in this one. Why are you not giving it to him? He's made our life miserable for years. Why is your playmaker not on the pitch? Why are you not feeding him in the run game? Or why are you not using him in the pass game? Why the hell are you throwing to David Bakhtiari? I don't care whether it's a good play call or not. You know, you've got a superb weapon on your bench to be able to use against us and you throw into the left tackle. Well, that's just that's just bad play calling. And, you know, we ate it up and, you know, we were in the right place at the right time. We did what we needed to do, but Green Bay shot themselves in the foot in this situation. Why your best player is not on the pitch. It's like us having a fully healthy DeAndre Swift and we're on the one-yard line. And I know Jamal Williams is the power back who does it and that, but what he gives you when he's in the backfield, are you going to run? Are you going to throw? What are you going to do? It'd be like us just benching him and rushing Williams three times and getting stuffed every time. We'd be up in arms about it if that happened. So I don't know why Green Bay are doing it. I don't know why they're ignoring their best player. He just went and sat out in the end. I'm convinced he wasn't injured. I'm convinced he just went, you know, fuck this. If you ain't going to use me, I ain't going to play for you. I'm going to get some sort of knock. And I ain't bothered. And I think they did. I think he genuinely quit on them. But fair play to the Lions. They fought. And they fought hard. And it's what we needed to see. And it was the young guys again. Aleem was great stuff in the run in this one. I mean, this is the one team in the entire NFL where I don't mind if their quarterback's the lead rusher. Because he ain't going to rush for much. He got 40 yards. I'll take that. When they got when they got you know Aaron Jones when they got um, AJ Dillon, I'll take Aaron Rodgers with forty yards as their lead rusher. Shows that my defense has stood up well against their other actual running backs. So, 
nothing but credit to this team and the young players and how they fought, especially on that drive. Absolutely. Just a bit of breaking news. The Lions have waived wide receiver Stanley Berryhill. Not a surprise. I suspect he'll be reverting to the practice squad as we sign someone else or promote someone else. So he only got one offensive snap in this game. It was a surprise he got signed and it's not a surprise he's been waived to me, at least. Anyway, let's move on on this play-by-play. And we have another false start by Decker on the next drive. Um, Drive... It is, it's pissing me off as well. False starts and holds by Decker and Endemic at the moment, and it just can't seem to get away from him. He's I, having a bad year. He's having a bad year by his standards. In, in terms of his blocking ability, he's let a sack here or there go, but he's not been a complete liability at left tackle. He's been fine, but it's just the penalties putting you behind the sticks. And there's another one here, and the drive ends with a punt downed at the one. We're finally using the... Highest paid punter in NFL history to his uh, best usage. I mean, it looked like we were going to try and catch it at the seven. They let it go and actually downed it at the ones. That leaves leaves Rodgers 99 yards to go. They do proceed down the field a little bit. In the first sequence of plays, Jerry has an amazing pass breakup on the far sideline. He's matched up against Alan Lazard, and he just... He bullies him in the way that Lazard bullied Akuda, like chucks him down in midair, like he was never getting down, even if Lazard had caught the ball, which was really good. They then do end up getting a first down here and there, and then Rogers is sacked about midfield by Derek Barnes. Now, this is potentially the biggest play of the game. I know that we've talked about interceptions in the end zone and that sort of thing, but the the Packers can get momentum back with a touchdown here at this point. It's still nothing to nothing in the game. The Packers score, previous sins are forgiven. And when Barnes gets this sack, it's a cover well, it, it looks like it's a coverage sack because of how long this play takes to develop. But Rogers spots two receivers running completely free down the middle of the field. You've got your two safeties aligned in the left-hand side and the right-hand side of the field, and you've got a tight end and a wide receiver streaking down the centre of the field, almost getting towards the post with, like, no one within 10 yards of him. And Barnes approaches Rodgers and gets in that passing lane, arms up, preventing Rodgers from passing. Rodgers tries to escape to get that ball down the seam for a completely wide-open touchdown. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that this saves the game for the Lions. And it's an absolutely massive sack. It's an example for the first time in a long time if I can say that someone pressures a quarterback and actually finishes the damn play. Just want to say really well done to him for completely saving it. And then <laughs> that brings up third and 18. The Lions conspire to give 15 yards on that play, making it a fourth and three. And then you have the challenge play. So Rogers chucks up to Alan Lazard, called a catch on the field, and MCDC gets the challenge in before Aaron Rodgers can snap the ball. Will Harris makes his best play as a lion. He has tight coverage on Lazard, gets his arm in the right place, turns his head towards the ball, doesn't commit pass interference, and then when the ball is caught by Lazard, hooks his hand, knocks it just about free. An amazing sequence of events, starting with Barnes and that sack, and then ending with Will Harris and the turnover on Downs, boys. Some of the best defense we've seen this year. It, we're getting players back healthy. That that that's the thing. And 
you know, this D-line looks a lot better now. Pascal is healthy and playing. It's got a little bit more depth to it, and it's got more danger to it. I mean, you've got to give Pascal some serious consideration here. So Hutch is getting a little less attention. The interior is getting a little less attention. And for that sack for Barnes, it's a gap that comes up in the interior, which he's able to exploit. And this is why we drafted Derek Barnes from Purdue for the blitz ability, for his ability to hit the holes and make plays against the quarterback. And he's not had that. You know, trying to find gaps when Nick Williams and Michael Brockers are your DTs, like trying to find the center of the Bermuda Triangle. You just can't find it. You know, you're just in this aimless area where there's, there's nothing for you to go on and you're lost because there's no gaps to be had there. You know, and now the defensive line's getting healthy. Now it's creating those gaps for the linebackers to attack. You're seeing the best of your linebackers because that's why we drafted them. We didn't draft Barnes to be a coverage guy, and he's been used as a coverage guy for so long because we can't blitz him. We can't blitz him because there's no gap for him to blitz. So, you know, the healthier this defense gets, you know, the more we're seeing the sum of all the parts working together well as one. You know, I mean, all we need now... It would be great if we had Levi in there just to be able to finish it off so we were at full strength. But, you know, you see him now why we drafted these players. And Barnes needs to be used more for that. He got 50 snaps yesterday, which was great. He got confidence, got pass breakups, battered passes, sacks, you know. And that's because we're using him to his strengths. And he's finally got a bit more confidence. You know, we've got young guys around him making plays as well. They're all working as one big unit to make themselves better. Kirby makes plays, rookie. Barnes makes plays, rookie. Hutch makes plays, rookie. You know, good begets good, and they're all almost challenging one another to be better. And that's what you want. But it's because they're healthy. We've got players in there, and we can play the schemes that we want to. So you hope more. You go see more of this Derek Barnes now. Now that Liam's playing well, now that he's got help in the interior, now we're going to create some gaps, and we're going to exploit them. Let's do it. This defense can be good if it's healthy and we can scheme right. So I was I was well impressed with them all game here. And Jerry, I mean, don't get me started on Jerry. I, I'm developing a serious man crush on Jerry. He is what every undrafted free agent should aspire to be and that he has the biggest chip on his shoulder with the biggest point to prove and he will not be told no. He will not be told that he's not good enough. He will not be told that he can't be a star. He will not be told that this injury is going to set him back irreparably. People said, oh, well... We might end up cutting him. Now he's coming back and, you know, we've got people in there. He's been injured. Is he going to be as good as he was before? He's even better. Man with a point to prove. A man who, I mean, that tackle that you said, he sighed, I think it was Aaron Jones, in half. And, you know, there was just so much energy and passion put into it. You know, he was blitzing well, blocking well, four times targeted, no receptions given up. You know, he's the ultimate pro. And you, if you could have a team of 53 of him, you would win Super Bowls because of the attitude they have and the way they develop. Wonderful to see him back. Just all these young guys stepping up, wanting to wear the Honolulu Blue, wanting to show they're good enough, and they did. Ryan? Not much more to say, like you say. I did notice as well, like you say, on the back end, there must have been a miscommunication, something like you say, because the safeties had disappeared on that bad sack. So it was a great heads-up play by him, like you say, to first get the hands up to make him have to like almost pump fake and reset because he'd picked a target out and he was going to air it downfield for a, a glaring touchdown. But Barnes buys himself more time, like you say, getting hands up. 
then readjusts, hunts down and finishes. That was great. Will Harris is really taking the chance because our man is basically a wall right now, like you say, which for me is fine. Like you say, Will Harris, Jerry getting their chances. Will just banks on the fact that if I leave my arm in there, if they come down to the ground, I can force the ball out. And he does. He leaves the arm in there. They go down to the ground and it moves. He doesn't control it because he's not able to, because he's got good coverage on him. And Dan immediately throws the challenge flag. His best challenge probably is a Lions head coach. There was no shadow of doubt it had to be thrown and he saw it there. And yeah, Jerry, a few past breakups. Coverage really good. Like I said, I'm pretty sure I said like in previous you take Lazard away, they weren't using Tonyan, which to me was probably the biggest surprise of the whole game. Robert Tonyan was an absolute non-factor and he should have been our crypt tonight. But yeah, we took a Lazard away best we could and then they're working with scraps. And that was another drive for them that completely fizzled out. And more situational football. Third of third downs on this game we weren't great. But on fourth down, fourth down, we were really good. So that that that's what counts. They're the money downs. When it counts, the defense stood up and it showed its teeth. I think maybe maybe a semi sort of hot take here. Maybe not. If Jerry Jacobs has one more good game than Amani's played his final down in Detroit, I reckon I reckon they're ready to cut him. The way Jerry came back and made plays after being injured all year, he did more in this game than Amani's done all season in limited snaps. So I think that he played one snap this game just gone. I think if Jerry carries on, then Amani's done. And I think he's done before the season's gone. I don't even think they see the season out. It's in a contract year. We ain't going to keep him. Get rid now. Give the young guys the chance. You've still got Chase Lucas available. You've still got other options available. Even Will Harris is making plays. And I never thought I'd say that in my life. So, yeah, I think he's done in Detroit. I don't should have think... traded him. Yeah, we should have traded him if we could. But if you can get a sixth-round pick, then fair play. But I just don't think the offers were there, given how he's played this year, to be quite honest. I don't think he'll go. I think that in the back of Dan's head, he's got, okay, but we know what this guy did last year in terms of play on the ball. Like... That is within him. And if he's your cornerback five and it's not costing you anything and you don't get much saving for getting rid, that he's probably a fine cornerback five. At the end of the day, Mike Hughes played well yesterday too and he was out of favour until until this week. So I don't think Amani's well down there on the roster, but he'll stay for the rest of the year. I've got no doubt in my mind that he, he will be on this roster until the end of the year. And I've got no doubt in my mind that we'll be letting him go at the end of it too. But, you know, it is... It is what it is. I just find it amazing that Dan actually got the challenge in. I heard in the press conference before we came live on that he got the nod from upstairs to go for it. And he knew in the manner in which the guys had throw the flag that they were definitely going to win it. But anyone watching the live feed, I, I defy you to tell me that that isn't a catch because it damn well looks like a catch live. Like it oh, only yeah. comes free for a microsecond. And you know what Rogers is like in that situation in terms of taking advantage of 12 men on the field when people are substituting or taking advantage of any little advantage you can get like that. He's the quickest quarterback in the NFL. One of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL on that. You know that Rogers was hurrying up to the line to snap that ball. You heard it on the coverage and the fact that, the guy in the booth told Dan to get it done and Dan got it done is an absolute credit to the team. Like, there's been enough times where there's been the odd bad challenge, 
But you might think that would give him pause, and it didn't happen. It was really great. So I was very, very happy to see that happen. And then on the very next play, I think it was the very next play, it was definitely the next series of three, the Lions do a nice pass to someone on the sideline, and Jair Alexander just loses his mind and chucks the wide receiver out of bounds to the floor, gains the Lions an extra 15 yards. If you wanted to gift momentum over to the Lions... Alexander absolutely did that in that play. So that should have turned everything around. Massive poser, Jair is. Every week he comes out, I'm the best corner in the league. I'm in God's gift to everybody. And then every week he seems to cock up. I mean, who's our number one star wide receiver? I mean, Amamra. And, you know, I love Amamra to bits, but he's a slot guy. Not really going to match Jair upon him very often. And and what did Alexander do in this game apart from his one pick, which was more a horrendous throw than anything good he did? He did nothing. He's one of the league's biggest posers. And the fact that the Packers have paid him so much money to keep him there is hilarious. They've paid all these guys some great money to stay there. And then they've just been like, you know what? I really can't be asked. You know, mm. Aaron Rodgers, case in point, his is the best trick of them all. Two MVP years, get him to chuck his replacement QB under the bus, set their cap back five years for him, and then decide, you know what, I'm going to be a mad ass now. It's just, this stuff is beautiful. It's like, you know, Van Gogh. Van Gogh couldn't draw a painting to describe this, you know, situation there any better. Pure art. Love it. Big Aries has just said on Twitch that JMO on the sideline was ready to defend Tom Kennedy. It was hit out of bounds when he was hit late, which is really great to see. So that gifts the Lions an extra 15 yards at the end of that play and puts them in prime position to put points on the board. That puts them at about the 40-yard line of the Packers, maybe midfield or so. And they just decide that they're going to rush it absolutely down their throat, ground and pound the ball to try and make it the last possession of the game. I think they took four or five minutes off the clock in this drive quite late on, with only quite a short field to work with following that penalty from Jair. They think I run it six plays in a row or seven plays in a row, end up converting first down after first down. Then finally, when it's required, Goff has a really nice third down conversion on another Texas route to DeAndre Swift down at the one. Looked like he was going to get in, but tackled just before he gets there. And then a really, really nice play call. Quite similar to the Bakhtiari trick play call where you just have a tight end offensive lineman feeding out to the left-hand side of the formation as everyone else goes right. Play action pass. And Goff almost underthrows Shane Zilstra, actually. But Zilstra just about adjusts and makes a catch in a busted coverage. That's Zilstra's first career touchdown. And then the PAT, Scott Daly, the long snapper, the second week in a row, he absolutely screws up the lot, the snap. It skips on the turf on the way to Jack Fox, the holder, who, to his credit, does fantastically well to get the ball upright. Unfortunately, Badgley, the kicker, it, it's not enough for him. It's not still quite in the right position. He absolutely shanks it. I mean, it goes 20, 25 yards wide left, which is quite fortunate because Jair Alexander, if he gets a touch on the ball, rushing around the formation. Then he's blocked the kick. Because it's so badly shanked, and because Jair contacts the foot of the kicker, it's running into the kicker. The Lions then decide they're going to affect the five-yard penalty as a half down and distance, uh, half the distance to the goal, and go for two. And Williams 
burrows through for a, a two-point conversion. The Lions find themselves eight points up at the half. Um, only left 15 seconds on the clock. It was a fantastic drive. It was a really well-done touchdown. And then the two-point conversion was a, a good play call, and it worked perfectly. Um, fortuitous that the kick kind of was so badly wrong. Um, but the Lions end the half eight to nothing up, boys. Badgley, Badgley saved a woeful kick with some fantastic acting. Alexander absolutely barely touched him, like I say. But kickers appeared to be divas. You're supposed to maximise and try sell all contact at possible. And like I say, the fit, like I say, it was basically two. And I think they said, like I say, Dan Campbell said, any time you give me a chance to take a two-point conversion for the one-yard line, I'm going to take it. So it was never in doubt, like you say, basically like a one and a half yard. So it was yeah. funny how it happened, like that. Like you said, the play design, like I say, was lovely, like you say, because it's just that sneak out. Like you say, everything goes to the right. Zilstra just works his way through traffic. And Zilstra has no respect, so no one picks him up. No one's assumed he's going to get the ball. And then he's about in 15 yards of space. Goff floats the pass. And Zilstra, like say, has got to come back for it a little bit and then falls into it. Great player. And then everything after that, like I say, you just you take what they give you. They gave us a roughing instead of going for the uh, kick again. Go for two. And if we don't get a two-point conversion, I'm fine with it because the half's ended because of Milton Clock. It was a real, you couldn't lose scenario. So it was a great way to turn the half. Like someone's actually scored and that we stung them with a two-point conversion as well. So, yeah, it was... A terrible half for them, but a fantastic end for us. Well, let's just call the kicking controversy repayment for the Packers getting as much time as they wanted because apparently delay of game doesn't exist for them. So, you know, you know, bad luck begets good luck, etc., etc. You get stingy with the clock management, then you get burned on one of those. I must say, I, I loved how we ran the ball on them in this game. Jamal Williams, again, just he just impresses me more week after week. He's running hard, he's playing well. But the thing is, we nullified their interior defensive line. Kenny Clark, I love. If there was one Packers player I could have, it would be him straight up every day of the week. He's the best nose tackle in the league by far. He had an awful game, and I mean an awful game, probably his worst game against us ever. I didn't even hear his name called fairly. He was that bad. He's the best nose tackle in the league. Frank Ragnow, Jonah Jackson, and Evan Brown did hell of a job on him, but where's the help in that interior when they drafted Devontae Wyatt? They had Jaron Reed in there. I'm thinking with Devontae Wyatt, is he going to give him some help in there? That, ladies and gentlemen, is why when you take a player off a historically good defense from college, make sure you're getting the right one. The Packers took Wyatt and Walker, and they were probably the two least useful cogs in that entire Georgia defense. They all played well, but you could tell very clearly it wasn't them. It was Jordan Davis, who was one of the big wreckers on there. You, They picked the wrong guys. So when you're picking off historically good defences, make sure you're getting the right guys. The Packers took the wrong ones, and it's just hilarious to me because I don't think Devontae Wyatt barely played, and they've got nothing at defensive tackle outside of Kenny Clark. Nothing. How is he not playing? He's a first-round draft pick. He can't see the field. And, you know, we just destroyed them there, which is so 
not like us, but they've not got the edge presence that they've had in previous years. So Darius Smith, you see what he's doing at Minnesota, what he's done for them. Packers don't have that no more. I love Kingsley and Igbari, but he ain't hit against the run. And it showed. The defensive line was poor and we pummeled it. And I'm really happy. Really, really happy. Queer Walker, what a dreadful pick. Bust. Mm. I'm telling you now, complete bust. He had no right whatsoever going in the first round. He got outplayed by some dude called Kyrie's Barnes. Like I say, so that yeah. up came in. And he actually looked pretty good. Quay Walker making absolutely no impact whatsoever. And he's supposed to be the future with the green dot in that defense. Exactly. Nah, I can't see it. He is not that run stuffing guy in the middle. He ain't built like it. He don't play like it. And the actually, I was really impressed with Justin Jackson this game. Justin Jackson had some really nice runs. He found some holes. He picked up a few crucial first downs as well. I'd like I actually think that he's gonna get a lot of touches between now and the end of the season. Like I say, if Swift ever gets back to hundred percent, if not, like I say, if they're gonna give him limited touches until he is, I'm okay with that. Justin, like I say Craig got an injury, but Jamal and Justin, they can get the job done. And we saw that because they put most of that offense on the back for a lot of the game. Well, I say, when you're picking from an historically good unit, make sure you get the right guys. Easy to get suckered in by stats coming out of college and go do the same with Clemson this year. Don't take the wrong ones because there will be some busts in that group. Same will happen this year with that Georgia defense. It's so dominant. How do you know which one's affecting the plays? But we'll talk about that more on the college show. Do look at that college show, by the way, as the draft comes closer. The knowledge they are giving to you is so, so important. And there's loads of new guys watching the show live here so just want to give a shout out to all of them joining us really appreciate you being here if you can throw us a like or a sub or anything like that you don't know how it mean how much it means to content creators i know that everyone shouts out about that but it, it really means a lot so anything you can do that'd be great we're moving it on here from out of the half going into the second and it starts off with an amazing pass breakout by kirby joseph i think it's third down at this point and Lions are showing blitz. I think they're showing six or seven on the line of scrimmage. Rogers, two, three-step drop, throwing it long to Samori Torre, who has broken clear. He's beaten the other safety who's back there in kind of single high. But Kirby's bailed out of the blitz, and he's rushing back. Now, he's still two yards away from the receiver when he makes a play. It's slightly underthrown by Rogers. But he gets up there. He's back so fast in the extension and the bat away. Absolutely incredible by, play by Kirby. Heads up from the line of scrimmage to beat Rogers to the passing point. And it went a long way. It went about 40 yards in the air, maybe longer. So incredible just, play. That, that might have been his best play, including the interceptions. I just so badly wanted him to get off the floor, look at Aaron Rodgers and flip him the bird. That just would have been perfect. Just like, uh-uh, no, no, sunshine. You ain't getting this over me. It was it was a thing of beauty. It's like, what's happened to these secondary players in the last six days? They just look confident. They're making plays. They're fearless. Almost like a shackle's been released off them, like they were getting held back before. I mean, like you said, that is top-class cover. That is what Kirby was known for in college at Illinois. They've got another corner coming through this year who's going to be exactly the same at the next level, who's going to be great, who does exactly the same as what Kirby does. They teach you how to 
be a good coverage secondary player in Champagne, and it shows. And yeah, it was just it was just great. And the look on A-Rod's face, he's like, I'm picking on a rookie who's barely played in the NFL here, and uh, he's schooling me. Absolutely schooling me. His intelligence is just... Hmm. Moving on, and then we have the next Lions possession. So Goff is sacked on third down by Enigbare. And I saw Ryan's comments about this at the time. So I'm going to come to Ryan. Enigbare does almost take Goff's face mask off, but it's not an aggressive play. And there's really nothing else he can do. I think by the letter of the law that it is roughing the passer, but you, I, you think it's a bit soft. He hits him in the back of the head. You don't even in the face mask. If I remember right, like, Goff is on the way down. He's basically like at mid like height waist is going down and he basically presses him down to the floor. It's a, it's a clubbing motion, but it's almost like planting his face into the ground. But I just don't see what he can do. Goff's basically giving himself up. Like you said, there's not a lot he can do. Like you said, I understand by the letter of law, yeah, fine. He's roughing the passer, but if it happened to us, we'd all be furious. Like I said, I, I, I just think actually it probably shows the state of the reckon right now and how soft calls are. In an ideal world, that can't be a penalty. It does um, nothing. To, does nothing. You don't hurt him. There's no risk or danger. But the one thing is, like I said, we finally found a team more ill-disciplined than the Lions. Like I said, the Packers were the worst disciplined team I've seen players all season. We weren't great. They were t- terrible. So you reap what you saw at the end of the day. I'm with Ryan on this. This is the sort of stuff we've been, you know, complaining about for years with how softly you have to touch Aaron Rodgers to get a yellow flag on you. And I don't know what more Enigbari can do there. He's he's made a legitimate attempt to get him and it's just brushed him on the back of the helmet. I you know I thought that was incredibly harsh at the time. You've you've seen it. I think there's too much protection given to quarterbacks and special teamers. I mean we, we were having an argument on College Pod earlier. I don't know whether you saw Mizu this weekend. Yeah. You know, Mizu lost the opportunity to win the game against Kentucky because the long snapper overthrows it. You know, he overthrows his punter. It goes all the way back to two miles away. Defender comes in and legitimately puts the tackle on the punter as he's trying to kick it, but he's still protected. It's like, come on, man. What what can it, What's he meant to do? Is the defender meant to just stand there and wave his arms around like a wacky, flailing, inflatable arm, flailing tube man or whatever they call him? Is that all he's meant to do? He's got to look stupid. You, you've got to relax these protection laws. I know I get this looking after these guys, but there's also Molly cuddling them as well. There's, there's a very fine line, and they've, they've unfortunately gone over the line to Molly cuddling at the minute. Yeah, it was soft. I do still think it's the right call by a letter of the law, and maybe the law needs to change. But the refs, we criticise them for calling it perhaps a bit soft, but contacts him in the head. And you say he didn't hit him much, but he does almost take the helmet off. Like, he gets underneath the helmet a little bit and almost rips it off. Oh, so... rip, rips it off. Oh, come on, rips okay, it off. The, okay. These helmets are not on very tight. This is not like he's got a full, he's fully strapped up and, you know, you have to bear hug him to get it off him. You've seen how easy these helmets come off. It's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. It, 
you know, that's just like me clipping you around the back of there. That's what it was. And... Uh, yeah, absolutely. But I am saying that the fact that the helmet almost came off made it a really easy call for the referees. I don't know what you want the referees to do when the helmet almost comes off. It's a very obvious call for them. If the helmet stays on in that scenario, I think maybe you get away with it. Do you know just what I mean? Use, use your common sense judgment. There are helmets comes off when a guy is contacted head on heavily and it's not damn right off and then there's occasions where you know you should be able to use your discretion as long as you can justify your call and show you got the player's best interest at hand then that's fine if they yeah. don't call like yesterday and they explain oh well look he got his hand on it goth's head is bending down so it's easier for his helmet to come off when it's contacted mm. uh, you know i could understand that as a lions fan i'm not going to complain if they overcall that I think yeah. there needs to be some common sense judgment in there somewhere. And also, mm. I look cool and stop telling the YouTube chat otherwise. If you are listening to the audio pods, do check out the show just for a moment to have a look and see what Ant's wearing. He's convinced he looks cool. I um, <laughs> reserve judgment. Um, you look boring. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'll take it as a compliment. Um, <laughs> so... We'd think that this roughing the passer would be a reprieve. However, however, the next play, Goff throws that interception. Uh, so you've <laughs> got Amon Rasen Brown running a corner route from the right-hand side of the formation, coming over to the left-hand side. He's kind of circling, rounding off his route just a little bit. The play takes some time to develop. He just, Goff doesn't see Alexander just sitting exactly where he's throwing. Goff is trying to time the route for Amon Ra in the right sort of depth and doesn't look actually where he's throwing it. And Jair's just there. He comes forward to the ball. You can argue, and I saw it said a few times in our Discord chat, that with the length of time that that play took to develop, that you might hope that maybe Amon Ra kind of curls his route a little bit. But I think that's the designed play. So that's not going to happen. So Amon Ra doesn't come back towards the ball. And Jair makes a good play on the ball. So after getting a reprieve with the roughing the passer, Goff t- tosses it in a really bad play. And he's not rushed. The, t- the play takes a long time to develop. The blocking is good. Then he has to step up a little bit in the pocket with a tiny bit of pressure. But he's barely hurried. It's a really, really bad throw. But then, very, very quickly, Rogers is intercepted himself by Kirby Joseph. So... We're talking, I think, at the Packers... Sorry, the Detroit 40. And Rogers sees Tonyan running a post route. So from the right-hand side of the formation, cuts inside to the left. And you have Kirby on Joseph man-to-man, I think. And he reads Tonyan's route. When he sees Tonyan put his right foot in the turf to make his cut, Kirby starts accelerating in between uh, passer and par- and, and receptee. And... and- makes a fantastic reception, the likes of which uh, Diggs would be proud of. I've not seen it since Diggs was here that someone can actually make a play like that. So Goff gets intercepted, but we get them right back, boys. Elite IQ. You know, this was not on Aaron Rodgers, this interception. It's a pretty good throw at the end of the day. Nine times out of ten, probably 9.9 times out of ten, that's a touchdown any day of the week. But the ability to read that route, and to main importantly, because I saw the breakdown on this, and they're quite right, to have the burst to be able to intercept that, because it ain't in the air long, it's coming in 
you know, flat, it's coming in fast, it's in the air barely a second or so, and it's, it's you know, it's at its receiver. So for him to be able to have the burst to undercut that route without Aaron Rodgers snagging on to the fact that he's looking at it in the first place, it's just elite ball-hawking IQ. And what you're first thing you look for in a secondary player, can you do that? And you see the play, he's watching Aaron Rodgers. His eyes are right on him. He's, he's still with his man, but you keep seeing him looking at Rodgers. And the second he sees him locks eyes on Tonyan, you can see him almost working out in head the interception route. Speeds up, picks it off. Um, wonderful, wonderful play. And, and you know what? You need it. Because, I mean, the offense has been the strong point of the team this year for the most part. The defense has needed to make more plays. The defense has needed to make more turnovers because we don't make many. And this, you know, I, I know you could say it's the defense bailing out the offense of this situation, but... I kind of feel like the defense owed this to us to be able to make a play so that when the offense does screw up, you know, they get us right out of it. They give us the ball back. They give us, you know, we're back to square one again. Let's settle down. Let's crack on. Let's get on with this. And, you know, both sides kind of worked in tandem today. Defense showed up when it needed to and the offense got points when it needed to. So it's great that we finally might have someone who can make those plays because it is going to make teams think twice about throwing deep on us. That is the value of having a proper ball hawk back there. You know, we've been picked on in the secondary for way too long because they know we've not had playmakers back there to make those plays. We'll think twice now. Two good interceptions. The first one is a bad throw, but Jair just, he baits him. He dares him. He literally just sits and runs. He runs the route with him. He runs the route for him on right. He just sits and bits him, dares him to throw it, and then jumps underneath and undercuts it. Goff, Goff has to bail or he has to kill. You cannot throw that ball to Amon Ra. Unless Amon Ra turns around and runs directly back to you, don't throw it to him. Goff paid the price for challenging Jay and losing. And then, like I said, the second one, there's no, the ball's not lofted. There's no air underneath it. It's coming out fast. It's coming out hot. So you've just got to it's it. You've got a break on it. At worst, you get a PBU and get a hand on it, and you tip it away. At best, you pick it off, like saying Kirby understands that at the point where it comes out, it's fastest velocity. Just haul ass. You've mirrored him. You've mirrored the route. You've gone up. You've gone out. You've come underneath it, and then just do your best to break on it. And if he dives, gets a hand on it, and it goes incomplete. It's it's just like say it's the exact same result. Like I said, it's just hand eye coordination and you know when to go and when to sit and wait. So yeah, two good players, both by defensive backs. And yeah, it's right now we're just trading blows, offense by offense, defense by defense. And it's a fascinating game at this point. It's like chess. It is a fascinating game by this point. And Goff shows no signs of wanting to make it a bit more of a safe game. When we get the interception back, he's then almost intercepted himself by Savage, an awful pass to the to the sideline on the, on the far side. It's terrible, and it's dropped. It's a hard catch for Savage, but you'd like Hits to make that... Hands. Yeah, you'd like to make that more often than not. That's why he's, a, he's a, a defensive player and not an offensive player, right? And then Goff almost intercepted down the middle on third down. Now... This one, the refs miss a blatant defensive pass interference. The linebacker on the play completely 
hooks the receiver on the play. I'm not sure who the receiver was. It might have been Amon Ra. It might have been Kennedy. I'm, I, I'm, I don't quite remember. But he really does grab hold of him and use the hold to propel himself forward to make the play. He then deflects up in the air because he doesn't make the catch and someone else almost makes the catch. So almost intercepted. DPI not called should have been. That would have extended the drive for the Lions. They ended up having to punt it away. But... I mean, Goff just putting the ball in harm's way, left, right and centre, which is not exactly great. They end up punting the ball away. Green Bay now coming back. It's eight to nothing still at this point. Third down, Will Harris commits a hands to the face penalty, which allows Green Bay to convert for a first. And then a really nice, a really nice touchdown pass to Alan Lazard over Akuda. Lazard beats Akuda for pace and physicality. Uh, Aaron Rodgers puts the ball... Only where Lazard can get it. Um, it's the one really good play that you can say Aaron Rodgers made on the day. That makes it eight to six. It's late on in the third, so the Packers decide to go for two. Actually, a mistake, I think, at this point. I think they should be going for the PAT. I still think it's too early to be going for the two. And actually, the fact that they then missed the two-point conversion meant that when the Lions went down and scored subsequently, and made it a two-possession game. If they kick the PAT, only makes it a one-score game. So you only take the two-point conversion if you're in desperation mode, and that tells you a lot about where the Packers are in this game at this point. So they go for the two-point try, and Akuda, having just given up the touchdown, makes an absolutely cracking pass breakup to save the two points. Now, whether um, I can't remember whether it was Tonyan or Lazard on the two-point try, but I'm not sure whether he gets in regardless, but Akuda gets there first, runs the route, and then undercuts it, much like Jair earlier on in terms of the baiting him to go for it. He reads a play and just makes a play on it fantastically. So you go in at this point, eight to six, and the Lions lead only 14 points in the game. But like Ryan said, chess match, gritty, and the one good Rogers pass in the entire game, boys. It's a good, yeah, it's a good throw, yeah. Lazard, Lazard works, Jeff, all day. Now he gets redemption, like I say, it is Lazard on on the path. And like I say, if he catches it, he does not get that two-point conversion whatsoever. He will be tackled there and it'll be ended. Now, I'm pretty sure Lazard took his helmet off in the back of the end zone after the touchdown. He was off the field. But like a blatant miss penalty, which would have ruined any extra point or two percent. He takes it off and basically throws them in the crowd. And we've seen a penalty for that literally a few weeks ago. So they obviously weren't paying attention. But yeah, Jeff comes right back and he makes the bigger play. Giving up the touchdown, fine, but he brushes it off, like say, and he make, comes up big on the two point conversion. And that, that two point conversion, I agree. That wrecks their game plan. That really is a difference maker in the game because that changes how they have to do everything going forward because they've lost a possession, basically. They need an extra possession now. Um, I'll just uh, say that, you know, in Kingsman they say, manners maketh the man. Well, we, we found, found the opposite here. Ego breaketh the man. I think the two-point conversion from Green Bay is all ego. They've seen us do it. They've put us eight points. There's no need for them to go for a two-point conversion at this point of the game. And um, they do. There's no need for it. But they've seen us do it. And I think they're thinking, right, well, we'll get back in this one. Now let's really put the hammer down. Let's go in and uh, put two points on. And they fail. I think that's entirely ego. 
And I think it's really getting in the way of this Green Bay team now. These two think that the dog's bollocks and they're not. I think it's all getting unraveled. And that's a big, big psychological boost for the Lions to be one point ahead instead of level. It may not seem much, but it's a big psychological boost to be ahead in a game because they've got to score again. And they've not looked like they're going to score well. So, you know, I've... um, I think it was all ego, and I'm quite glad, really, because they're not good enough. They're not good enough to put those two points down on us, and it gives us the impetus we need to go forward and win the game. So, yeah, Green Bay's play calling was shocking all day. Just take the point, be a point behind, and and just crack on. You've done a good drive, get the points, and then just start again. Don't try and get fancy with yourselves. And they did, but I'm not complaining. Yeah, and so after this, the Lions actually do react to the fact that Goff is putting the ball in harm's way, which is really good to see. It took them a while, but they decide to take the ball out of Goff's hands. The Lions go at some point in the next drive on six straight runs. I think it's the second time in the game that they decide to just run the ball down the Packers' throat. Eventually, uh, they they face a third down and medium decide to go for the pass, and because they've been running for so long, it takes the Packers a bit by surprise. And Amon Rasen Brown makes a 25-yard catch to get down to the Green Bay 16. They eventually move down to third down and goal at the three. And the Lions' patience and running down on the clock is rewarded with a touchdown to the rookie tight end, James Mitchell. He has a really quite nice route, actually, where he kind of goes towards the posts um, as a kind of little mini seam route, I guess. And then realizes the play is still developing, so he kind of hitches a bit to the right. Uh, finds a little bit of a hole in the zone, and Goff zips it in there. Nice catch, because it's short field. Lots of velocity on the pass from Goff, and our rookie tight end makes the touchdown uh, catch. PAT is good. 15-6, to nine-point game, and as I was saying before, now a two-possession game. So, TJ who at this point? Good drive, yeah. Like you say, that was a drive where Justin Justin had a few good runs, extended the drive. And it was another one of those drives, like I said, where we milked so much clock. To not come away with points in that drive would have been absolutely criminal. And I think I'd have cried if we did not scored anything on there. We went back to the bread and butter because we were running the ball well. And then, like I said, the final play, like I said, he realises that the play is kind of like washing out to the right. So he scrapes across the back of the end zone, finds free, and then Goff, Goff puts a bullet in. He basically says, I'm going to put this hot ball in, Mitchell, and you've got to catch it. It's coming at you fast. Just make sure you hang on to it. And that felt like the knockout blow. I felt like at that point, we'd we'd done enough to win now and then. It was just going to be now chewing up clock, just manage the clock, get over the line. But yeah, that drive really knocked all the stuffing out of uh, Green Bay because that made their two-point conversion failure even bigger, even worse for them, that we went all the way down the field and just chewed up yardage and clock. Um, I was really happy for for Mitchell. You know, um, long talk, long road back from injury for him. Um, Started off a little slow, not really got the reps, but obviously TJ's been in now. There is an opportunity for him to stand up and be a part of this team. And he took it. And if you can catch passes from Braxton Burmeister for a living, you can catch passes from anybody. His catch 
potential is never in doubt. Um, he made some great catches in college. He was a great receiving threat there. He needs to get the blocking up to scratch, and he will do fine in this league. But, no, it's absolutely great to see. I kind of feel a little justified now being able to be so high on him when we first drafted him. Um, but it's going to take time. He will replace DJ right away. But, you know, give him time. Let him settle into this team. You will see him get better week by week. Like all the others, you will see the stat counts go up. You'll see the usage go up. And hopefully we'll have a really solid player um, out of him come the end. But I never had any doubts that he would be. Um, it was always just going to take time with the injury. So at this point, just kind of at the start of the fourth quarter, really, or kind of 10 minutes to go at this point, something like that. Nine-point game, two-possession game. Packers now need to move quickly. They're progressing down the field, and on a coverage play, Akuda and Kirby have a coming together. Akuda hits Kirby hard to the head and neck area. It doesn't look the best. It doesn't look absolutely terrible but it is not good knocks Kirby out of the game he has to go for a concussion exam we now know with the new rules that that means that you're just done for the day regardless of whether they think you might have a concussion or not the fact that you have to go for a test means you're done actually means that Kirby ends up with some great figures that he can't ruin 90.1 PFF grade he ends up with so that was really really good for him but a shame that he has to now go through this protocol this week uh but on the drive following that play opi is called on green bay twice they run the same play where they have a receiver on the left hand side of the formation going up very quickly they got two receivers on the left hand side one progresses to engage and block the defender and then the other receives it behind him and rushes on the outside of him now the receiver progresses too quickly and engages the block before the ball is caught and without trying to fake running a route, like you're meant to fake running an actual route. And it's very clear that the receiver just goes and grabs someone by a shoulder pad. So the technique by this, frankly, rookie uh, wide receiver core from Packers is glaringly obvious. They're running an offense that they don't have the experience to run. Call for OPI twice. That really puts them behind the sticks. Um, you then have Rogers on third and 17, faking out Barnes and Anzalone for a massive 20-yard scramble. And it's, this is one of the plays that made me angriest in the game because with the game on the line, third and 17, if they're forced to punt the ball away there, that's ball game. Like, they're not coming back from this. And on third and 17, you can't let Rodgers go for 20. You can't. And in the play, if you have a look at Rodgers... Sorry? We all saw that play where Hutch, that's the play where Hutch basically gets a prostate exam and held from the front, don't they? He's getting blocked. I think he's getting held by three people on that play. I was furious. <laughs> but you know, it didn't It didn't make me, just to finish this thought, it didn't make me angry what happened to Hutch. Rogers is escaping. He's progressing down the middle. The pump fake and whatever. I don't care about that. Anzalone has blocked out the centre right area of where Rogers can run to. Barnes progressing the players coming from the centre left. If they both progress straight, you're forcing Rogers to slide. Like Rogers has nowhere to escape to. But Rogers is drifting slightly to the right towards Anzalone. And Barnes follows him. He takes up a position very similar to Anzalone. So now you have two defenders in the same place instead of boxing Rogers in. Now Rogers can end up faking you out with a sidestep, and that's how he gets his 20 yards. For Barnes. 
it it made me question his football IQ just a little bit because he doesn't have to do anything flashy. He needs to know where his guy is to box in the play. Barnes had a great game generally. He made some massive plays for us on defense, but this could have won the game for us. And he totally gave up that play and it was entirely on him. No. I mean, Barnes had a good game. He had one bad snap. What the does Alex Ancelone do in this team? You know, Ancelone should be ashamed. He's got the standing start, don't forget. He he could, you know, Barnes is pile driving off in the other direction. Ancelone gets flat footed. He should not be making that mistake. I, I, I have no idea. So in in this, against the quarterback like that, you just need to box them in. You don't need to overcommit. Anzalone has the right-hand side of where he can run to. Barnes just needs to take the left. Anzalone, I don't... He stands can... there like he's got concrete boots. He but he shouldn't he need to move. move. I completely yeah, but... disagree with you here. This is Barnes's fault. And Anzalone had a good game. Barnes, 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 made a bad, Barnes made a bad play. I'm not going to lie. But Anzalone is a leader. You know, I expect him to know better. You know, he just stands there and falls over. And it's just like, for God's sake, man. You're an embarrassment. I just... Embarrassment is way too far. Anzalone had a no. good game, and he's one of the few veterans on this game. team who has stood up time and time again. He is outperforming his talent level because Anzalone is not that good, and he's actually hanging with the rest of this team and the rest of the rookies who are showing the other veterans up. So I'm not having this slander against Anzalone. You're you're going too far. Well, unfortunately, you're not a dictator, so you know I can have my opinions on this pod. I, man- I, I managed to get the name unless of the you're, unless, you're, unless you're going to mute me. So. <laughs> I, I am, yeah, you've I, had I your, am you've Palpatine. Had your, you've had, yeah. And I Mace Windu come in to arrest you for dictatorial powers. No, I'm just, maybe embarrassment is a strong word, but still, the pair of them are to blame for that one, and I would expect one of them to make the check. Aaron Rodgers should not be juking anybody. He runs like you know a freight tanker in treacle. You know, he, he moves like one as well. I would expect you to make that tackle regardless of who you are. So, you know, the pair of them should be ashamed of that. But I'm going to pass Barnes because he had a great game otherwise than that. But Anzalone ain't making the big plays to forgive stupid mistakes like that. In my opinion, boss. Ryan, can you break us up? Uh, both linebackers, terrible. It was, a, it was a totally busted play. Like you said, Barnes is the young athletic one. And I like to think that he can make it beer. Both of them, Aaron Rodgers, one of the least mobile quarterbacks. Literally, he looked like a homeless man that had just seen someone like throw an empty fish and chips wrapper in a bin. And he sidesteps them both. And the player literally, I wanted to scream. If we'd have lost that game, that would have been right now, I'd be coming back to that player and I'd be throwing some mm-hmm. serious fucking shade at the team. Because we had like I said that was the game. We could have ended the game there and then. Yeah. That's it. If he had to slide, like, just say, don't hit him. Just keep him there. But, yeah, it was annoying. Like I said, his protection totally broke down. Like I said, we actually really we brought tons of pressure on that play. But no one gets to the escapes. And then green, green grass of home. And he manages to just squeak it out. So, yeah, eh, it's a learning lesson for both. We we need we need blue light. We just need a new linebacker. We do yeah. need a new linebacker. I'm not going to argue about that at all. Um, we then do have a play for the Packers. So they get a first down there. We then have Jerry Jacobs called for defensive pass interference. It was a hold. 
because the hold started before the pass actually went in the air. But then he continues to tug him all the way through the play. It is DPI. It's a bit soft, but it's pretty much all the way down on the route. At that point, it's second and 20, so it's a really painful penalty to give up. But they rebound, saving third and three, and they have a short field goal for from Crosby to make it 15 to nine. At this point, there's six and a half minutes to go in the game. They have a normal kickoff. I thought they might try an onside kick at this point, but they end up not doing that, thinking that their defense can hold. Um, they have another penalty setting them back by 10, but another Texas route from Swift. It seems to be the only thing he does on offense, and it doesn't seem like any defense can bloom and hang with it, but another Texas route by Swift on second and 20. Nice catch, only gains about seven or eight yards. But he's hit with ferocity as he's catching the ball. It's a clear defenseless player hit. And so it is a, a unnecessary roughness call. That gives the Lions a, a first down from second and 20. So that's really, really fortunate for the Lions. But hell, I'll take it every day of the week, especially when we're trying to kill clock. And then in the rest of this drive, they take it very slow, very methodically, getting some first downs, some inventive play calling. On third down and one, they actually go to a passing play to James Mitchell, comes across from the right-hand side of the formation in motion, gets a running start. Nice completion by Goff. He ends up going out of bounds, but his momentum was taken in there. It was better that we converted than than not doing that. Um, but after that, we end up being third and one. And the Packers, in narrow alignment, showing blitz, do blitz... And Jamal Williams up the middle gets stuffed for a loss of two, forcing us back into fourth and three on the Green Bay 43. There is two minutes and six seconds left on the clock. At this point, they have all three timeouts left for Green Bay. So even converting here doesn't necessarily win the game. It does leave Rodgers not much time. But converting here doesn't win the game. Lions decide to go for it on fourth and three with a... Really questionable play call, and you can see the Packers are coming pre-snap. Like, the blitz is not disguised. They're going twice for this sort of blitz, and Goff has nowhere to go to. Good coverage man-to-man by the Packers, and Goff just not throws it away, but there's no real chance of converting that play. So turnover on downs from the Green Bay 43 with two minutes left and all three timeouts in a six-point game. The Lions force two fumbles on the final possession the first forces a fourth and two because the ball is touched out of bounds by the lions now there's no chance of recovering it here but by doing that it forces a fourth down rather than being recovered by aj Dillon over the line to gain on the fourth and two play the lions get pressure rogers throws a desperate back foot throw but manages to get to a wide open samori torre akuda beaten on that play by torre Forces a fumble as Torre is going to ground. The ball is battered around towards the sideline. And then Akuda recovers it as he is going out of bounds. Whether it happened the millisecond before or the millisecond after is questionable. On the field, it is called recovered out of bounds. And therefore, a Green Bay ball at about the 17-yard line of the Lions. And then we have the final set of four. Amazing play by Jerry using the sideline to force Lazard out of bounds. Um, no chance of catching the ball anyway, so no DPI, but he was very physical. I'm amazed it wasn't called, actually. Um, really, really great 
pass breakup by CJ Moore coming in relief for Kirby Joseph. He gets that his hands in there to deny Amari Rogers on the goal line. That would have been the walk-off touchdown for Green Bay. Fantastic play by the career special teamer. And then on fourth and 10, Rogers lofts it off the back foot to clean air. No one in the area. I have no idea who he thought he was throwing to there, but that fourth, yeah, absolutely vacant. And, and so the Lions get the win. Um, boys, maybe just a quick thought on that fumble and whether you thought it was recovered in bounds. There's lots of chat from Lions Twitter, Discord, what have you, that the officials didn't go and check whether it was recovered in bounds. I clearly, clearly think it was recovered out of bounds. I think that it's one of those like where you have a juggling catch on the sideline and they just get possession just out of bounds. He didn't have any part of him in bounds when he actually had full control of the ball, I thought. But lots of people in there disagree with me. What did you make of it? You don't get it though yet, do you, Matt? If, <laughs> if, if that's the Packers, then it's recovered in bound. If that's the Lions, it's recovered out of bounds. Them's the rules. I thought the officials actually got both spawn. I I see when he's like the first one, we're very fortunate like to say because it literally just brushes his hand is going out of bounds and it can't be recovered. If that if he doesn't touch him and that's recovered and he can forward that ball, that drive is very different. So we get fortunate that they review it multiple times and they see that glance out of bounds, which is very fortunate for they did clearly look at a few times. The second one when I watched it a few times, I see, like, say, he dives over Elliot's helmet. The ball kind of scoops up. It's kind of like in his forearm as he's going out, but he never truly grips it. I did look and I think he's not really got... He's not got possession. He's not really got it in time. And by the time he does, he's basically rolled over onto his shoulders. So, for me, probably both the right calls. Ultimately... One of those two decisions could very well have decided the fate of the game. If one of those two decisions doesn't go our way, we probably lose. So I'm fortunate we did err on the side of caution. But yeah, like we did well to force fumbles. Because like say Rogers did get passes off the CJ Moore pass up break up in relief, a game saver, and then Sammy Watkins runs in in when he's supposed to run a a corner like if if Sam Watkins runs the corner there like it's supposed to be they probably win but he doesn't even real he doesn't even look up he doesn't even look back he doesn't know where the ball's going Rogers literally looks like he wants to stab him and that looks like a Watkins fuck up because the ball was going where it needs to be in that decision there you could only put the ball where the receiving Garrett and that just means you just loft it into the corner you just dunk it up it's just a layup and Sam Watkins goes the totally wrong way but yeah Throughout the game, I'd actually say the officials were pretty good. And I don't usually say that. We got some good calls. We got some fortunate calls. We got some breaks. I'd say we got Rubber Green for the majority. And to just get over the line was a huge sigh of relief because most of that fourth quarter was pretty unbearable to watch. Right. That's our ball game. So the Lions win by 6 15 to 9. I've got some other notes and some talking points to go through. I know it's been a long pod, but I just want to get through this just to milk the fact that we've won this game because it doesn't happen often. In fact, someone highlighted the fact that we have a winning record against the Packers in the last eight or nine, which is 
lovely to hear. But the first to note is the delays of game that were not called. Now, there's a lot of talk from the Detroit Lions podcast and others that perhaps Fox's clock was not synced up properly to the stadium clock. We've got the Pride of Detroit guys saying that they were there live and that when they started taking notice of this, they saw three on the in-stadium clock that weren't called. And that was only the ones that they saw once they started taking notice of it. So it was definitely happening live. And it wasn't just misalignment. Someone has it taken stills of it from the TV and seen eight of these. Now, whether it's three, whether it's eight, or somewhere in between, the officials are fucking this up royally. And I am sick to death about the Lions losing games because the officials cannot call delay of game properly. I'm sorry, but when the Lions fans get loud, they deserve to have that rewarded. You go to the big house and then celebrate the false starts, as does every other college team in the league, with a blooming running tally of how many false starts or a delay of games they can force by being too loud. The Lions fans were amazing last night, and they were not rewarded by the referees who dropped the ball consistently. I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers asked for a clock to be reset as well and got it when it was running. There was there was one incident I really remember. That it was weird, like, yeah. It was 19 seconds left on the clock, and then the play clock vanished. Rogers asked them for it back, and then it came back with like 25 seconds on it. There was no delay. There was no whistles. No, nothing like that. He just asked for the clock to be reset, and it was. I mean, there, there was that as well. That was a, that was really weird, but it shouldn't have happened. So I, I think that was on a play towards the end of the game when they were getting desperate. They got extra time for it. I swear it was on the last drive that they got that. Um, and, yeah, it was completely wrong. I don't know. I th- the refs were meh. They were all right, but they weren't as bad as last week's ones. But yeah, the delay of games, it's pissing me off. Happened with the Ravens last year, and now we're kind of so some legitimacy to it. So and we can't use the excuse that the play clock on the TV is wrong because there's people in the stadium who've seen it as well. Refs need to be punished for this. They need to be punished for bad performance and stuff like that. Get games shot, get games stripped from them, get lesser profile games, get, you know, something. Yeah, the other thing that I just want to highlight is a couple of stats in the other notes. Kirby becomes the first player in Rodgers' history to pick him off twice in a single game. And it's only the third time in his career that Rodgers has had three interceptions in a game. The first one was in his rookie season. The second one was his first game back from a collarbone injury. I remember that collarbone break. That was sweet as hell. So his first game back from the A through three interceptions. It's the first time that Rodgers just doesn't have any excuse whatsoever. The only answer can be that Rogers sucks and we're actually better defensively than we thought we were going to be. How sweet it is to see Rogers become the master of his own failure. See, a lot of people have said this. It's, you know, Green Bay played bad and, you know, we won by default because they were bad. But I'd argue against that. I, I, think that's a com- I think that's a complete and utter disservice to our rookies, that is. That's just basically saying... You know, Kirby got those two picks because Aaron Rodgers couldn't be asked to throw the ball properly. You know, Barnes got his sack because he couldn't be asked to block right. I'm going to disagree and say we played harder than them. You know, their players were falling injured all game. You know, we were playing hard. They didn't want it back. Why did Bakhtiari come back for one random drive at the end of the fourth when he'd been sat out two quarters? Aaron Jones, fine, no injury to him. You know... I think they didn't like the physicality we were playing with. We bulldozed their defensive line when running the ball. We got after them aggressively in the 
the pass rush and, you know, the secondary blitzes and that. We played well. I know people will say the offense was bad, but, you know, a lot of offenses don't play well. A lot of offenses didn't play well this weekend. Look at the Colts, three points against the Patriots. I know we didn't pop any against them, but, you know, the offense converted when it needed to. They ran the ball well. They got the points when they needed to. They came up clutch when they needed to. Defense made plays, stopped Green Bay from making progress. And I think it's a complete and utter disservice to those players on our team saying that Green Bay were bad and threw it away. I think Green Bay could still be playing now and they still wouldn't be able to beat us because their <laughs> offense was crap. And our defense, our defense forced them into mistakes. Like I say, that first pick, got them doubting their ability to go down in the red zone and put one down on us. And it's one great throw to Lazard in, in one game. That's the only thing that undoes us. The rest of us, we stuck firmly to. A.J. Dillon couldn't run over us. Aaron Jones couldn't run over us. You know, we, we were disciplined. You know, I just think it's absolute balderdash that people say that they were bad. We played well. And our players deserve that recognition. They don't deserve the insult of being told that they only did well because the other team couldn't be arsed. Screw that. The Packers are bad. We played better. We deserve that win. And the Packers deserve that loss and all the insult that comes with it. And I will swim in their tears for the rest of this week. Cry all you want, Green Bay. You lost to a better team. We have your number now. Outcoached as well. Yeah, Dan Campbell. Dan, Dan yeah. Campbell going for that two-point conversion when he saw that penalty, he didn't even have to think twice about it. He knew straight away that if we were going to win this game, we had to score points and we had to apply pressure. But when they went for two-point conversion, it was out of desperation and it was a bad play call. Exactly. And, you know, that, you know, I know people talked about the, you know, the one in the middle of the pitch towards the end when we turned it over on downs on their 43 Oh, why don't you punt, etc.? Well, how many times have we seen this defense give up drives at the end of games where they can't get right in coverage, where they give up soft plays, where they let teams... They've got all three timeouts in two minutes. Tom Brady needed 25 seconds and no timeouts to drive the length of the field against the Rams, really, to win them the game for them. You know, you the best way of winning that game at that point in time is to convert on fourth down, not punt it. And I applaud Dan Campbell's aggression to go for that. Now, like I say, there has to come a time when he's a lot smarter with how often he does it and in which situation he does it. But I think at that time it was justified. And there's no one I am more happier for than Dan Campbell. All the crap he gets from people. Aaron Glenn, all the rubbish he gets from people. You know, you saw the raw, genuine emotion in the locker room from this victory. It is hard. And I will die on this hill to get a culture set like that. You're one and six. Your second year, your players are expected to be gone places. And look how much they are still bought in. They've just lost Aubrey Pleasant. They've just traded away TJ, TJ Hawkinson. That team played for one another. They care. They want to win games. It matters. That is what Campbell inspires in this team for any other deficiency he may have as a head coach. But he's still learning. I know it's hard to grasp the concept. People think that after a year and a half, he should have gone from a rookie head coach to, in Sean Payton and make no mistakes whatsoever. But that's not how it works. You're still learning. You're growing with a young team that's got a lot of growing pains, but it's going in the right places. And you've got to expect the same with your head coach. But, 
you know, just to see him, how sad he's been these last few weeks, he takes it personally, he cares. More so than that so-and-so came before him. And for him to be able to get this win, I just I just felt delighted for the lot of them. I hope it's the start of something serious. I really do. This is why we all want this to work. Because we will never have a coach who cares about this team and this fan base as much again in our lifetimes. I believe that. I think he genuinely, utterly cares about this team, about this city, about its fans, and about wanting to be successful for them. So, you know, he may have his flaws, but hopefully we will get them worked out. We will win more games. We're on to the Bears next week. He's got a wonderful opportunity now to show that we are serious in the NFC North. We're not bottom feeders. We won't accept that status anymore. The Chicago team's good, and we've got to go and put in a damn good performance if we want to get anything out of it against them. But if we do, then all of a sudden we're looking at a completely different team. We're looking at someone who's respectable in the NFC North, that's learning how to win games, that youngsters are standing up and saying, I want to play, I want to make plays, I want to win games, I don't want to be bottom feeders, I don't want to tank for a number one pick, I don't want to lose anymore. That's the direction this team needs to go. And hopefully this win is the catalyst for it. Hopefully it's like the Vikings won last year where that belief just comes back. And if this offense can get going next week and the defense brings its usual intensity that it did this week, Bears are going to struggle to handle us. They really are. So let's hope this is the start of something great going forward. But for Dan Campbell, I'm just completely and utterly delighted for him. Just a few things to pick up on in the rest of this game. Ant has already talked fantastically about our defense against their offense and how we really came and earned the win. It wasn't the Packers losing it. We very much went and won that game. A few things that I just want to highlight that the performance was led primarily by rookies and second year guys, no more so than Jerry Jacobs. I think the whole seatbelt gang thing is led by him. You saw how much that inspires the guys to celebrate in that way. The camaraderie just seems that much greater when he's on the field in terms of the defense, 19 pressures this game, including a team leading five by Josh Pascal. I mean, that's a fantastic uh, stat for him coming back and having such an impact on the game in only what is third career game at this point fantastic stuff we've obviously got to talk about golf at some point there's four potential five potential interceptions in this game only one snap for Armani we've talked about him before the Lions O-line didn't give up much this game may be helped by Rashawn Gary's injury but I thought golf in general had plenty of time to throw Swift Ryan already mentioned him. His role massively cut as a rusher and he had two carries in this game, but looked effective in the passing game. And maybe he should transition out to be a bit more of a receiving threat as Williams takes over some of the rushing plays. If if Swift can't handle that contact right now. Um, and then maybe just to highlight a couple of players stock up and stock down at the end. But just in general, the, the pressures, the young guys, and then we'll talk about golf boys. Any comments on any of those? Sorry, I was just replying to something on Twitter. That's all right. I think get, getting healthy Pascal and help Jack Kaminsky as well. He, we do look. I think we do genuinely look better now that he's actually. I know he's playing the love of mitts, but it's not like he's not effective. So getting him and Pascal back has been pretty important to taking pressure off Hutchinson. So it's good to see the D line with healthier bodies. I like to say 19 pressures. That's not a bad return. 
and on the, on the opposite side, they barely got anything. They got one sack, and that was about it, to be honest. I really don't remember anyone harassing Goff at any point other than that few blitzes that get in his face, you know, can force a few throws. But, yeah, really didn't give up a lot in pressure, way of pressure. And the thing is, I think this is why you're witnessing... Brad Holmes has struggled to get a reputation amongst some naysayers in this fan base because they all talk about the injured players and all stuff, bits like that. But now you're seeing the value of the players that he went out and drafted. You know, all this instant gratification stuff where rookies have got to start playing day one and be amazing so that these hardcore fans can be, you know, appeased. Sometimes you just have to wait a little bit. With Josh Pascal, you've, you've we've had to wait, and it's frustrating. Of course, you want him to play, but you now have a bona fide young threat on the line. You know, we've seen. You know, Harris has benefited. Harris is doing less snaps now, but he's been a bit more benefit. You know, he's been a bit more productive with his lesser snaps. You've got a genuine three row three way rotation of dangerous guys in there now, and having Pascal back, who's actually good. What does that mean? I means scrubs like Julian Aquara and Austin Bryant don't see the field as much, which means your defense is better. Jerry Jacobs been back. Jerry cares about being in Detroit. He has a point to prove. He has something to prove in this team. He works 120%. He wants to make plays. What does that mean? No Amani Arawaria in this team. Amani, with respect to him, looks burnt out from being in Detroit. He looks like he doesn't care no more. He's undisciplined. He's giving up big plays. You know, you don't really want to see him on the field the way he's playing. Well, we don't need to anymore because we've got a young guy in who can make plays and actually cares about being on there. This all translates onto the field. You know, we've got Kaminsky back who's fighting for a place. You know, this this attitude inspires players around them to be better. You know, you've got Barnes who's standing up and wanting to play well now. And this is what happens when you start taking these you know, wrote, you know these rotational players out of the lineup. When you start taking underachieving players out of the lineup and putting in players who want to play, that is where you get better, and that is what we're seeing. We're seeing players that don't deserve to be in this team riding the pine, and we're seeing players that do want to be in this team on the field making plays. That is, this is what it is all about. This is all it takes. When JMO comes back, you know we're gonna all of a sudden, see why we went up so far to draft. I'm still so hyped to see him. He's going to give this offense a completely different dimension. If JMO's on the field yesterday, we murder, and I mean murder the Packers. It ain't close. And that is what we'll get when he's back. So just be patient. Wait for these guys to return. The investment will be worth it. 100%. Completely agree with you. Just want to move it on. So maybe this final point before we talk about stock up, stock down. We need to talk about Jared Goff. First few games of the season, Lions number one scoring offense. Everything's going swimmingly. Since the bye, he's regressed massively. He operated the offense well in the first drive of the game before turning over on downs. There was one other good drive where we scored the second touchdown. The rest of the time was mostly... The run game, which did the damage, and he was putting the ball in harm's way a lot. Bad decision-making, not the receiver's fault, as far as I can tell. I know he's not throwing to the first-team offense for wide receiver. I know that, you know, Khalif Raymond is wide receiver five in a perfect world, maybe wide receiver six. But regardless, the decision-making is still atrociously bad. The balls sometimes are underthrown and wobbling in the air and kind of just 
dying as the DB comes back towards the ball. Is he putting the nails in his coffin for his Detroit career as it stands? Is there room for him to bounce back and actually win back another year as a Lions quarterback? Because there's a way it's going right now. I'm starting to feel like I did last year, saying we've got to cut him in season. I'm not going to ever call for that in this year now because it's just not worth even thinking about that possibility. But I do think that it is becoming clear that he is not anywhere close to being the future of this team. I I think we overly complicate the Jared Goff issue here. For me, the Jared Goff issue is very, very, very simple. When Brad Holmes came here, the roster was shot. The cap was shot. We gave Jared Goff a two-year opportunity to come here and be the starter and prove that he could be the long-term face of this franchise whilst Brad Holmes spent you know, valuable draft capital building up this team around him. He was always going to get two years. I don't get the confusion about this. He was always going to struggle year one with the lack of resources available to him. We've given him resources in the offseason to be able to do better. We've given him a fair chance at this. And I think it's fair to say that he's not really taken it. And I don't think he's going to be the long-term future here. But that was always the gambit with this move. He was going to get two years to prove himself. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it doesn't look like it's going to work. But hey, at least they tried. And I'll tell you what, this team has built nicely in those two years we've had him. We've got a lot of foundational pieces in this team now ready to build towards something better. And yes, we're going to have to go out and get a quarterback now, but you know what? Great. We've got the picks from Stafford to be able to do so. That was always the plan. Two years worth of firsts gives you backup in case it doesn't work. Doesn't need to be the number one overall pick. You know, Lions fans need to get out of this habit of saying it's Young or Stroud or Bust. Really isn't. Good quarterbacks coming up in this draft. We can get one. We can reset going forward. But I've no regrets about making the move for him. I'm, you know, I think this franchise has treated him with respect and dignity after the Rams treated him like rubbish. You know, we've given him the opportunity to make the spot his own. He's unfortunately not been able to take it. Right. We'll part ways this, you know, this spring. You know, we'll get a good cap saving from it. We'll have to carry a bit of debt, but Goff's had his chance. We've been fair with him. We're going to move on now and move on to bigger and better things. And in the meanwhile, like I say, this team's young core is building nicely. I think this was always the plan from Brad Holmes. I think it's been executed perfectly. So, yes, it's a lot of money, but I don't care. We've given him an opportunity. He's not taking it. You can't ask for more than that. To be honest, even if Jared, if Jared Goff played really well to the remainder of the season, I still don't want him. He's still not in the plan because he's not the long-term guy. Jared Goff now is trying to save his career. Jared Goff is trying to make sure that he's one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the league next year. He shouldn't. We're thinking about moving on the cap cut. He needs to be thinking about his next destination as well because you'd have to be a bit naive to think you're in the plans next year when things, especially when you're looking at like how last few weeks are going. He's got to strongly consider it in the back of the mind that they may move on from it. And I, I agree with Ant that we, we are primed to move on from them now. Like you say, we've got the capital. We can get the cap cut. I like the guy. I actually think he's been great for the locker room. He seems like a really nice guy. We could have gone out there, made a trade, or brought someone in like a baker, a fucking bit of a douchebag that would actually just leave a sour stink or a bad taste in the mouth. 
Goff has taken it on the chin really well. He knows he's a bridge quarterback. Like I say, Brad knows him. Josh Reynolds knows him. Like I say, that link up. Obviously, Josh is battling injuries, but that link's not been there either. Uh, but you can't just rely on one guy. You can't have a security blanket. Josh Reynolds can't hold Jared Goff's hand because Josh can't stay on the field himself, let alone help Goff. So right now, it's just not working. So at the end of the season, we amicably part ways. We take the cap cup and we find a guy. If it's a project, it won't be Bryce Young because we're not getting the number one overall pick. I think I'm pretty much concerned that now we're not getting Bryce Young. So I think Lions fans need to accept that now. And we're not dealing the first round picks together to trade up to one because that'd be career suicide for Brad Holmes. So, yep, Jared Goff's on his way out. We know what he is. I'm fine with where he is right now. So, yeah. And it's not going to kill us if we don't get him. I mean, like I say, you've treated Goff with respect. Look what the Panthers have done with Donald and Mayfield. They've given up on the pair of them already. Mayfield's never got a chance in, in Carolina. They've already given up on him. You know, that's a shitty organization that treats its players bad. And that's what the Lions have been accused of over these. They cannot be accused of treating Goff badly. They gave him an opportunity when no one else would. He's not been able to take it. That's on him. But any future players are going to look and say, hey, look, this is a franchise that gives you a legitimate opportunity to prove yourself. And if you don't take it, that's on me. Because they've given me enough time and I ain't made the plays that I need to to, you know, extend my deal there. So it shows that the organization's going around things the right way. To have just given up after golf after 12 months after last year would have been the worst thing we could have done. We didn't. We stuck with the plan. It's not worked as far as the quarterback goes. It ain't going to kill us. We're moving in the right direction. We make some good cap savings next year. We can move on. We can move forward. So, you know, thank you, Goff. Appreciate what you've done for us. And, you know, it's just not, it's just not worked. So... There's no harm in that. There's no foul in that. Right. Let's choose some players or coaches or whatever you want to choose. Stock up, stock down, two on the up, two on the down. And then we do have a question. Um, I'm not going to take any more questions, but it is a good question from SW Lion. And then we'll wrap this one. So, guys, can you think of two players or coaches or whoever you want up or down from this game? Uh, Up, Mitchell. Uh, downright I actually thought this could be the Brock Wright coming out party and he didn't get too many targets he did get a penalty it seems like uh, the tight end room had fun without him unfortunately but I, I think Brock has probably still got a big part to play this season up Justin Jackson decent workload unfortunately Craig Reynolds I don't know is it fair to say down did leave the game with a rib injury that's a shame but uh down Jack Fox. Now I feel like we did not treat we we weren't great in swapping flipping the field. I feel like some of the punts weren't great. I feel like they had pretty good starting position for a few of their, their drives actually. I mean, we got a punt down to the one. Yeah, that's not because of him. Well, All right. I think Goff stocks down. I think it has to be kind of after that. It was there were a lot of questionable decisions in there. 
I think Jamal Williams' stock continues to go up. I think he's proving very effective in relief. Swift, we were all worried what would happen. He's running hard. He's getting touchdowns. He's making plays. I think uh, I think his stock should be right up at this moment in time. Almost like hot up. Um, down. I mean, these are minor downs because I'm not really going to critique anyone this week. Death is pissing me off with the holding calls and his general inconsistency this year. I will reiterate, he is the second highest paid player on this team. I expect him to lead by example and he's given up more sacks and quarterback hits than last year. He's given up more pressures than last year. The penalties are becoming annoying. I know, you know, but that's what did it with Hop for Ryan, the holding penalties. Starting to do it with me for Decker now as well. Um, he needs to clear this aspect of his game up. He is a veteran on this team and needs to lead like it. But you know, what, the way we ran the ball, the way we protected Goff, I can't make it too much of a big hit on him. But let's just say it's a he's on notice as far as I'm concerned now. You know, I'm going to be very vividly watching his play. If it don't improve soon, it could become something more serious. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, I don't really have that many gripes. I thought the entire defense played well. I know Akuda got burned a few times, but he made plays as well. And let's not forget, it's his, you know, he's not been long back from injury. They would do a bad game eventually. Every corner has a bad game every now and then. And, you know, it happens. But as long as he rides it next week against, you know, the greatest receiver of all time, Darnell Mooney, apparently, according to Bears fans, I don't know, um, he should be fine. So there's minor gripes, really, this week. So my stock up, I'm going to go Jerry Jacobs. I think he's firmly, firmly putting himself in the frame to be cornerback, too. I don't see how you take him out of the team for the next game. Like, he's just firmly in there right now. And as an associated stock down is is Amani. Just We kind of discussed that before, but there we go. Um, Grandizer is kind of... His question is tantamount to what we're talking about here. Um, stock up... Aaron Glenn, because, and this is referring to the question, which actually I'm going to read out now so that you see the context for this. SW Lion asks, question for you guys, how much of a difference do you think was made with Brian Duker taking over for Aubrey Pleasant, or was that just coincidence? Pleasant goes, Glenn takes a lot more impact on this game in terms of coaching a position group, helps out Duker. And the defense goes and holds Green Bay to nine points. I don't care how bad this Packers offense is meant to be. Shut down the run game. Shut down the pass game. Situational play was absolutely fantastic. And Glenn deserves a lot of credit for being resilient. Now, do I think it makes up for the rest of this season? No, I do not. Does he need to stack good get? Does the defense need to stack good games for his stock to really rise? Yes, it does. Does it mean I can still give him credit for rebounding this game? Yes, I can still do that. So he's going to be one of my guys with the stock up this week. Um, Stock down, my last guy. It's really hard to pick because no one really had a bad game. I'm going to go for Tom Kennedy. I'm going to go for Tom Kennedy. The guy was targeted a fair deal, didn't catch very many balls. The guy who, you know, seemed to just deliver whenever he saw the field has started not doing that and I do worry for his longevity on the roster if he doesn't if he's not that dependable guy on the field so it's a very minor one for him because I'm not actually that concerned everyone really had a good game but you know he's gone as soon as JMO gets back probably true any thoughts on on pleasant going and the defensive rebound I know it's just this one game but do you think it had an impact 
the, the, the secondary looked noticeably better. They would look like they were playing with a lot more confidence, a lot more freedom, and the players looked like they'd had a weight lifted off their shoulders. So I think it's had, I think it has had an effect. Because the trouble is, you know, we all said about Pleasant maybe been a huge defensive coordinator, etc. Trouble sometimes when you have too many chefs in the kitchen, they get in one another's way. You know, if is Pleasant been trying too hard to try and prove himself if Glenn gets fired or goes on for egg coaching job? Is he kind of losing sight of the job he's meant to be doing? You know, we 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 heard he was openly dismissing Dan Campbell in terms of how the game plan should go. So, you know, Dan Campbell's got good stock in good stock in dismissing guys and seeing noticeably better improve. So I think it did have an effect. As for Aaron Glenn, obviously, like I said, 100% delighted for him in this game. You know, he's taken a lot of tap. I'm glad the defense did what it did. However, I, I like I say, I will not give him a stop up until we start stacking these games more consistently to show that he's a coordinator who can do it week to week. However, like you say, that doesn't mean that you can't compliment him this week. Of course you can. So well done, Aaron Glenn. Let's do the same against the Bears now, because this Bears team, it's a lot better than we thought it was going to be, especially that offense. So if we get rinsed by this offense, then it's going to start raising a lot of questions again soon, and it's going to undo all the hard work you've done. So let's have a second good in-division performance, hopefully carries on to a second win. Then, then the praise can really start getting dished out. All right. Is there anything you guys want to bring up at the end of the show? We've been going a while, and thanks for everyone who's been listening all the way through. But anything you guys want to bring up before we close up here? Have we said fuck the Packers yet? Should, should we all do that? Just just, just in case we didn't. Fuck Green Bay. Yeah. There we go. Right. Now that we definitely have to put the uh, explicit tag on the show, it's time to finish. We've got our next show coming up on Thursday day tentatively at the moment but i might push it to friday so keep your uh eyes and ears out for a possible change there with any luck we will have the bear down chicago podcast our friends over there with ryan um who's a fantastic guest and um are oh, the name of the jack. other guys jack thank you very much ryan and jack are absolutely fantastic guests they may be bears fans but they know their stuff and they're really nice. So you'll want to check out that show when it airs at some point uh, later on this week. We've just had the college football podcast and Boise talks about week 10. What happened in week 10? Lots of teams got upset. Alabama lost. Clemson lost. Tennessee lost. It's going to throw up the uh, college football playoff rankings which are out tomorrow, which never caused any controversy. But we also we also spent time giving love to the head coaches who aren't appreciated in college football today. So that's well worth checking out. Uh, you just hear about the Kirby Smarts and that all the time. You don't hear about some of the guys lesser down doing fantastic jobs at other programs. So it was a good show today. So please go and check that out. It's well worth your time. I mean, the college football season is almost done. We're not far away, and then we'll be well into draft season. So spending time now checking out what the guys are talking about in season is going to be well worth your time. This is the team of people who predicted two of the Lions' day three picks. I mean, it's well worth your time. But uh, please do check us out as well on our socials. Raw the Lions UK on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Facebook group for worldwide fans is Detroit Lions fans, UK One Pride Worldwide. 
On ruralalliance.uk.com, you'll find our articles. Ash absolutely knocking out the park for us there. Go and check them out. It's well worth it. Please do subscribe and rate us five stars on your chosen provider. If you can throw us a Twitch Prime subscription as well, you'll get all my love. If you do send us a review, especially on Apple Podcasts, I will read it out on the show. Um, any constructive criticism, anything like that, we're always looking to improve here. Email address, you can contact us on the website, in fact, on the contact form, or email address is on our YouTube page. Just remains to me to thank Ant and Ryan for an, a really long day for you guys with the college show and this. You've, you've put in a great shift. Uh, so thank you for joining me for this. To all the guys live or on the audio pod, you're amazing. We love you. Lions, beat the Packers. Fuck the Packers. Let's go, Lions One Pride. FTP. Fuck Aaron Rodgers.